Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Yo, What the Hell, a show where two friends get together each week and talk about things that they have found interesting. Hello again. My name this week is Chad, and I am joined by my co-host. Um, due to the chaos this week, I will be Elon. And, you know, that is a good segue into what we are talking about today, because that is the name of my D&D character, Mr. Elongated Muskrat himself, the Chaos Rat. And, uh, you know, joining us today is... Uh, a friend of a fr- friend of the show. Uh, she is the artist formerly known as TV Head, uh, and uh, she is uh, the DM for my D and D game. And we felt like it was the perfect person to come in and explain the wonderfulness that is Dungeons and Dragons. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. It's very very fun. I'd agree. Well. I, uh, I figured since we were talking about D&D that we uh, go back all the way to the 1970s for a little brush up and the intro to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, picture it, if you will. We are in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in the 1970s. And uh, the star of the show is a young Mary Jo Gygax, her husband. Gary has been laid off after working in the insurance industry for for about nine years, and he's gotten really into war game tabletop. Uh, it's it's honestly the old games like Gettysburg, and uh, it's it's kind of the old stuffy elite. It's it's the kind of game that they would play at West Point, and it's the progenitor for uh, tabletop as we know it. But uh, at the time, Mary Jo did not know what was going on. All that she knew is that she thought her husband was cheating on her. He was sneaking out at night. He was staying out late. And so one night she follows her husband and goes into a house down into the basement, dead set on finding her husband cheating on her, only to find this nerd playing Dungeons and Dragons and the uh, Greyhawk setting uh, with a bunch of friends that he had met uh, in the foundations of Gen Con and what we have as the conventions for tabletop games as we know it. So yeah, um, it all started way back then, and it was basic as fuck. Uh, conventions that we think about now uh, really started then. Like it was, it was gigantic. Uh, the expansions that we would go—that was an expansion. Like the ability to go outside of the dungeon and you know camp and rest—that was supplemental material that was added later and kind of picked up, and uh, it's grown into something gigantic. Uh, in the last 40 years, and uh, I've learned so much, and I still know so little, but whatever little I have, I'd love to pass on today. That sounds absolutely wonderful, and uh, yeah. I've already learned, like, so much stuff I didn't know. Like, the, the, the like, cheating bit is fantastic. Like, that's, like, the favorite thing I got, because that's the best way for me, personally, to imagine this being founded, is some asshole making his wife think that, oh no, he's going to leave me for this for some asshole at his old firm. And no, no, he's just making a game with some friends and not saying about it like some shitty old man. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, no one's, get, no one's getting laid when you play D&D. Like, you are exactly. just committed <laughs> to the dungeons and or the dragons. 
Like, honestly, if you look at it, he created the anti-getting laid. Like, he saved a lot of marriages by the singular, singular action. So we do thank him. Rest in peace, rest in power, Gary Gygax, for that. That's beautifully true. Like, so many children don't have to have broken homes because there's one man. It's, it's true. true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like... Um, some of us have played D&D, some of us haven't. Uh, I am a brand new player. Uh, I uh, I got into it via a friend, uh, Southpaw. She recommended me join the party podcast. And uh, that and uh, the pandemic led to me uh, asking our producer, hey, can I join your game, please? And uh, he was kind enough to uh, invite me. And uh, the artist formerly known as TV Head has been... Uh, torturing me ever since for <laughs> two two and a half months now but it is quite yeah. enjoyable gosh i don't think i've done a tabletop since my early 20s so that's been quite a long time yeah no it's uh it's definitely fun definitely you know helps with the pandemic and uh oh, oh so so I'm yeah no it it really does um so i don't remember what we played all i know <laughs> Um, all I know is when I played in my early 20s, it was a few years of playing with um, our artist friend, Mr. Sidge Weyburn, and a few other um, nerds that I've known forever, and we would go get together and play, and I don't remember what it was. I just know they were like, hey, we need you to do this thing with us, and I was like, okay, this, this is good. I'm not spending money. This is great. And... That's what we did. I know they they tried Star Wars a few times, but that failed terribly. I think one of them broke the system. Like, I'm pretty sure it was my friend who went into the Navy who just, like, absolutely broke the game. And that's, that's it. It's not a very big experience. I am going in this so blind that it is going to be a great learning experience for myself. Oh, I'm excited for both of y'all then. Because I have, I, I have so much I want to rattle off about all of my love of this game. Yeah, and I think uh, that's a that's a perfect segue. I mean, what kind of a uh, you know what like drew you into it? Uh, the artist formerly known as TV Head. So oh, I. <laughs> Okay, so when I was 16, uh, I had a group of friends in high school, and one of them was a super quiet uh, fellow, um, Mr. Wintrow, as all we'll call him. And uh, he, we, we eventually got on the topic of Final Fantasy. Like, that was, like, our breaching point. Uh, his first Final Fantasy was seven, and I am old, and so my first Final Fantasy was three. And uh, that was my entrance to the like JRPGs in general. And uh, we were talking about uh, just some show, I think, that referenced D&D at the time back in the early 2000s. And he made the comment to me that, you know, Dungeons & Dragons is where Final Fantasy literally got all of their monsters for the first game. And I said, shut the fuck up. No, it's not true. And they said, no, it is. And uh, we got to uh, getting an argument. And I went back to his house. And uh, his stepmom was his dm she was an old school dm from the 1980s so was his father so was his father's best friend and so my first dm uh was was uh was mrs uh, uh so mrs w she uh 
she was amazing. She learned back during the 80s, grew up, and she, like, around that world, like, a nerd my own age uh, with with her future husband, I found out later. I thought that was really cool. And uh, they straight up uh, taught me everything I know about D&D. She, were, she was their DM as well for for his dad. And uh, from there, they, they gave me done, like a copy of the Player's Handbook for second edition, which is, uh, in the old days, it was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons because Gary Gygax got in a legal dispute kind of they formed tsr and then uh his partner one of the three partners died tragically just all of a sudden and so uh the widow sold her share and somehow it got into the hand of this group and they reformed uh what we know for DD as tsr and then a separate tsr entertainment and so to kind of snub gary because gary wasn't a really good writer <laughs> like he's like flowy which i really appreciate uh but he wasn't structured and so it was called advanced dungeons and dragons to get off the tangent uh what we call second edition it, it was it was very different but it was it's the basis for everything I know. Like it was mind blowing because I, I literally, I was just joking. I'm like, well, I want an iPod. Uh, I was, I, I, I made a character that was just an elf and I was horribly unprepared for what I was doing. I was like, well, I want an elf, but I want to have full health. So I want to not be squishy. So I'm going to have full plate mail army. And she laughed at me. She's like, okay, you have full plate mail armor. And now, you know, as a ranger, you're going to be garbage. Uh, and, you know, I learned from my consequences and we laughed. And I was like, well, I want an iPod. She's like, well, you've got an iPod. And I went, I can get an iPod, you know, I couldn't just get an iPod in Final Fantasy. And then, then I realized, you know, the, the improv element of it and that it's just a little more than that and realizing the story of it. And I got hooked. And that was what actually I wanted to be a DM, um, but I didn't understand. It wasn't just me trying to tell a story. Well, that's, that's a, an entire thing elsewhere for uh, a few questions down the road. Um, but yeah, 16-year-old um, me fell in love with D&D in second edition and has been just devouring it ever since and finding the references it's it's a lot like finding your place in in history you you everything references and you know goes back in different directions but you can trace a lot of it to like this point kind of like with with different artists and music in the same kind of vein yeah no definitely and like at least for me like something as a, like a new player it's like it's hard to grasp it's just the improv side of it it's like Oh, like, and uh, you can screw, like, I screwed myself in our game to where it's like, oh, we're going on this big, long journey. Oh, let me, like, not buy any food because, like, I, you know, didn't think about it. And it's like, oh, well, guess who doesn't have any food? <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> and that happens. Like, one, sir. Yeah, and, that's, and that really depends on the DM, too. Like, some DMs will, like, completely slip over that, and it also really depends on the DM. But, like, the details, like if if you want to, like there's there's a rule for everything in this kind of in this kind of game that I just adore. Exactly, and it's like you know you learn quickly, like depending on the DM. It's like your actions have consequences. Like that is just how it works in that universe. It's like oh something you do something. Oh well, look butterfly effect, motherfucker, you're screwed. Oh yeah. Speaking of of uh, butterfly effect, um, the littlest thing can cause just huge consequences, and uh, you learn that like on both sides of of the screen. Uh, the first time that I got really back into DMing, uh, as as further as an adult and like not as just you know a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed eighteen-year-old, uh, I. I decided to give a magical weapon, expecting it to be used at a proper time to one of my players. 
And uh, the first off, the level of like love that a person will, will give to a random item. I gave him a magical item and it was a spear. And so he named the weapon Britney Spear, which is just the greatest nickname pun ever you can have. And the idea was that it was going to be uh, like a, it had like a thunder effect on it. So like it would, it would call, down, call down electricity, like a lightning bolt, if you activated the magic word. And so I, I said that you can tell me what the magic word is later for dramatic effect to be great. So um, the campaign, it, the, the point of the story was that you know what's supposed to happen. And the, the ground in a certain point of the area was going to cave in and they discover, oh my gosh, there's this dungeon. Well, good thing I'll have the group go down there. And this is the, the first time I learned that you cannot just like expect players to do what you expect them to do. Because at that exact moment, I... I, they went into a full fight I was not expecting, and he activated that spear in the middle of town and whispered quietly, it's Britney, bitch. And there was just a lightning bolt and an explosion, and then the middle of my town was decimated with a gigantic crater that was not supposed to happen for three fucking sessions. And I had to just completely improv on the fly. And that's All the kind right, of uh... shit that you find in D&D. No, that's beautiful. I have a question now. Like, so as the DM, how often does that happen to you where some like player just randomly oh. cluster fucks your story? <laughs> <laughs> so when I was when I was uh starting off literally every single second, you, you learn very quickly. This game is, you know, fuck it. I'll wait. Like when you start out, it's fuck it, I'll wing it. And then after that, it's I need to learn everything. I'm an idiot. And then whenever you've been doing it long enough, it's fuck it, I'll wing it. So it, it does recursively loop back to it. So you, they keep you on your toes for sure. That's absolutely beautiful. Like, holy shit. I know. Like, I don't want to, I, I can't really think of any specific examples uh, for like our game, but it's like we'll do something and then just she's like, well, cool next week i'm gonna have to redo everything so fuck you guys <laughs> that, has, that, yeah. has, that has been said many many a time it does happen uh this past session uh we i we excuse me i this is all on me um i gave a new player the, a deck of many things which if you're not familiar with uh dnd it is a randomized uh deck of cards that can be anything from immediately level up two item uh, two levels to every single magic item that you have in your inventory immediately crumbles to dust and every bit of property or gold on you disappears to your soul is taken away. And the uh, person thought, well, this, can't, this encounter is very serious, uh, which I would probably put it as it a three on the, uh, on the issue level, like on, on the fight scale. Uh, and so they use two cards. Excuse like two me. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely biased here. Like, I, I feel like that was a life and death situation. Not to interrupt, so town, but I had to. town guards arresting one person for doing criminal activity. I don't, I don't think that's that. That might not be useful. Like, one sure. Wait, hold on. You thought that uh, the police arresting you was going to be a five, sir? A five? Because that's what, like what happened to me. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a fucking rat man. You can just be like, hey, I'm the rat man. Let's get out of here. And knowing that you're you're basing yours off the chaos lord of the shitty part of the internet himself, like you should just be ready to be like, bah, 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 fucking rat man out of problems. It was a lot. Not as uh, it was it was it was not as simple as that, sir. There were a lot of moving parts. Okay, like you know, 
there was stuff hidden that shouldn't have been found, and you know, like shit was going crazy. But anyway, we have gone off on a tangent. Yeah, this 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 is sorry. This is normal. <laughs> I it would not be a conversation with y'all without it, so we're good. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you said it was a uh, uh, a uh, three on the uh, you know alarm scale. Oh, 100% of three at most. And then uh, it, it ended with something that I didn't expect to happen uh, that I, I won't say just because uh, I'm sure that uh, the enemy campaign, which I'll gladly unpack that later, uh, the enemy might be listening, uh, but it, it ended with something that I wasn't expecting that I have to completely rewrite uh, the second to last kind of main act before this campaign wraps up. Uh, just because of the action of one person who had never heard of the deck of many things. So that's the kind of thing that just happens on a daily basis. And you absolutely love to see that absolute chaos shit. It's, it's great. It's what we crave. So yeah, uh, we do have you know some nice little questions here that we got uh, for you. Uh, I am definitely curious if you could elaborate more on uh, what you know drove you towards the DM screen. Was it like just the sense of control or was it just like i want to make these people suffer or a little <laughs> bit of both? honestly it was writing stories uh back in the day um so i i was introduced to dnd i was more or less 16 uh and we played every so often uh with my first dm and but of course you know she was she was a mother of three so it's not like you know you could just meet up every week she, she had an entire life she was going back to school i believe she's a professor now uh, badass woman, by the way, let me just say that. And um, so I, I kept talking with my friend who had introduced me, and uh, he he said, well, they just made 3.5 edition, which uh, uh, I picked that up, and I, I studied that, and I said, well, cool, I'll, I'll do this. And, like, I had planned out what my campaign story was going to be, and, like, I had made up my own, like, the term is DMPC or, you know, the Dungeon Master player character. So just I had, like, my own play-by in this world, and but that's not how it works at all. And uh, it, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to make stories and uh, it's, it's like hurting cats if you've never done it before. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. And I don't recommend that you try to DM if you've only played, I don't know, four Dungeons and Dragons games in your entire life, but I tried and I failed spectacularly and, and you know, you learn and you grow on. Um, but after that, it was just as a player constantly like, trying to chase that high because like when you play DD and you find like a group that fits it's like the best feeling in the world like when the group doesn't meet up in a week you know it's it's a bummer and uh i went i'm going to say oh six or seven years of just trying to be a d uh just trying to be a DD player finding a group and not finding it and uh the one thing that happens to every single person who becomes a dm is i became a dm because no one else would dm and then everyone wanted a dm and now i am forever a dm and this is that my burden, and this is my watch. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, the band trying to find a drummer, so someone just picks up the drums, because no one wants to be a drummer. Exactly. Well, this leads me into a question. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, since I'm more of a reader, a reader nerd than anything else, like, I, I'm very curious on, like, how do you go about building your stories and, like, the world building? Because that seems very complicated and possibly very rewarding slash fun. 
It's a lot of fun. Um, there's so many different directions that you can go from it. Um, like, and I, there's going to be DMs that are arguing with me uh, in the future already <laughs> about this, I'm sure. Because like everyone has their own opinion about this. Um, but for me, I, I, I have two different schools of thought. Like Tolkien, whenever he made his world, he was, he was a language nerd. And it was basically like, let me make an entire world so I can make up this language. And I respect that. And then he got like far into details. I'm sorry, the Tolkien State were yelling at me for the wrong intricacies of that. But um, for me personally, I I always think of the why and the how. Uh, the current campaign that we're doing is a cause and effect one. And I've been kind of rolling with the different sessions that I've been able to pull off of this campaign for two years now. And player choices from two years ago have straight up affected the game even to within the last two weeks. Uh, I started with the how. So I created the world itself, like what I wanted to be the main focus of of that world. Uh, I created the lore. I usually start with, well, if it's, is it a naturally occurring world? Is there a god? Uh, is it magic? Is there no magic? And I kind of make a rough skeletal outline from there and then you kind of fill it up like a sandbox just you know kind of carve out things and then the kind of thing that it takes some practice and there are entire videos that i am just kind of skimming the surface of i highly recommend first off matt coville on youtube look him up he's amazing uh, but building a world, it takes a lot of moving parts. You have geography, you have politics, you have religion, you have race. And uh, the important thing is you have to try to be realistic. And it's tough. It, it really is because people tend to kind of float towards these kind of cardboard cutout things. But at the same time, that's homebrew. If you just want to pick up and play for your friends, there are entire campaign sessions made out there, modules that you can just drop down with pre-made characters. And that's how it used to be. Like whenever I got into this, it was literally, what the fuck's D&D? And someone handed me a piece of paper and a pencil. Didn't even give me a book. Didn't even give me a dice and just said, sit down or have some fucking fun. And that's what D&D is supposed to be at the end of the day. That, yeah, no, that is, that's a really good way of putting it. Definitely. It's just all about, fun and hanging out with your friends getting a chance to you know hang out and share this experience of the journey that you're on Gosh, this is uh, so illuminating yeah no this is super cool uh, like, I, yeah, I, I am learning so much stuff that once again i would have never <laughs> encountered in my normal day-to-day -day, like nerd realm so i'm gonna come back to one of the questions i have for you uh in a bit, but uh, I want to ask you know how the game has either you know positively or negatively affected you, uh, you know, um, or 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 I guess um, how has it positively or negatively affected you or your views on the world as a whole, and like your take on life. It's made me think outside the box in many ways. That uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking on my ass or anything like that. Like you know, team DMing and Dungeons and Dragons changed my life. But uh, having to create like fictional worlds, uh, you know, you stop seeing the world in black and white. Um, I, I I tend to follow a kind of model that I like to have three antagonists in a world at any time, and I've stopped seeing them as villains and started embracing antagonists because you know. Uh, BBEG is the nickname, big bad evil guy or evil gal. Uh, it's the idea of, you know, oh, that's the final boss. That's your, uh, that's your Dracula at the end of uh, Castlevania. But uh, 
you know, not always is it that cookie cutter clear. And um, I, I try to make it. I tried to make a personal challenge this campaign. I didn't make a God of like good and evil. My entire campaign is separated between law neutrality and chaos, because honestly, I think that's a lot more fun than just good and evil. Uh, and another thing is people really focus on the nine alignment chart scale, like way too much. Like they get into that stuff, like arguments over just, things I want to get into. Uh, I don't want to step on too many toes. Uh, but like the focus on those different alignments and trying to just pigeonhole characters into that is is frustrating. Uh, it, you know, you'll change your opinions and, you know, good people do horrible things thinking they're doing it for the greater good. And just because someone thinks they're lawful good does not mean that they are not the villain of the campaign. And uh, when I started, I didn't think that. I thought every single villain had to be lawful, lawful evil or chaotic evil, and that was it. But you know, uh, the truth is a lot more grayscale than black and white. Oh yeah, no. definitely. And in, in and reference back to that, that that that's made me rethink the world. Like people that I thought were assholes, I thought, well, maybe they were probably <laughs> doing it for a better reason. Like that, you know, we're all the protagonists in our own story. So D and D has made me realize that in the grand scheme of things, you know, not everyone's out to fucking get me. Just most. Yeah. No, of course. So does that like influence now your? I assume it does your your character building as the DM when you're filling up. I assume all of your villains now are multifaceted and not like a two-dimensional um just asshat oh yeah 100 percent. uh even the complete asshats have reasons for being asshats uh and you know i do have one character who is just a dick but i mean he has aspirations that he's trying to accomplish for a reason uh and he is being a dick along the way but you know you root for him whenever you do see that uh but yeah um Trying not to be one-dimensional really helps, and uh, it gives more flavor. If you can think about a character's like you know basic needs and like what's happened to them versus what's going ahead, that really helps you not just have you know the cutout dwarf that has the Scottish accent at the bar. Just you know change it up a bit, maybe make it Welsh or Boston Bostonian. A Bostonian dwarf at the bar, it, it does sound like a fun time. That really sounds like it's either going to be the best night ever or you're going to hear some terrible anti-Semitic stuff from that dwarf. Exactly. Which... <laughs> and, uh, you know, that actually is a perfect segue into my next question that I've been holding on. Uh, you know, what can be done about more inclusion in the community? Like, uh, I, I shared this article with you that um, it was written by a Jewish guy, uh, and it, it talks about, like, the tropes of like the golem and all that and like there's blatant you know racism and homophobia in the game today like i know this might be a bit of a like more harder question but uh i mean if you could take a stab at it please solve all the problems is what oh I'm sure saying. no let let me just dismantle all of anti-Semitism on this podcast. Thank you for letting me have that question. Don't worry, I've been wanting to come out swinging about this question this entire time. Um, I, I want to, uh, in the article that's linked, the, um, I, I cannot say, I mean, as a person that is, you know, not, that is not Jewish at all, uh, about those topics, I do feel it's really rough. Um, uh, the, the person says that Gary Gygax you know, made D&D &D and made the dwarves anti-Semitic because of uh, Tolkien. And, and I want to argue, 
how how dare you? The, the, the dwarves aren't anti-Semitic because he was Christian. The dwarves are anti-Semitic because Tolkien was basing it off of an anti-Semitic mythology. <laughs> he was 100% all about uh, the, I'm going to butcher this, the Nidalong, Nidalong, uh, basically the prose out of 1200, in like the 1200s, and was really into Norse mythology. Before he wrote all of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he translated uh, very old Norse stories um, and was just obsessed with the language. And he based all of that, like the dwarves that we know it is in this translation, uh, but they were as they are now, you know, for being metalsmiths. Whenever Tolkien wrote in Lord of the Rings, he wasn't, well, he's probably anti-Semitic, so let's be honest, everyone in the past is anti-Semitic, or everyone's more less racist nowadays and less hateful in general. Like, every, we're going to be bigots in 100 years for something that we're not even going to think of. But and in the grand scheme of things, he was writing the Lord of the Rings from the perspective of a World War II soldier. All of the Lord of the Rings, it's Sam and Frodo leaving the comfort of you know, merry old England and going and facing the horrors of war. And while he, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean to, I definitely think he probably just pigeonholed the wars as that. I think Gary Gygax as a result, who's literally, he tried to make Lord of the Rings into a tabletop game. Halflings are hobbits. In the original like writings, ho- like halflings, he calls them hobbits and they nearly got fucking sued out of existence uh, by the Tolkien estate. And there are lots of references about that. And I don't think, like, I, I, I agree that there is, that, yeah, D&D has anti-Semitism and racism and homophobia. But And I, I don't want to blame that all on Gary Gygax's feet because the argument that was made in the article talks about D&D being extremely Christian. But when I was starting out, before I even played it, just hearing it from my own family, D&D was the satanic panic of the 80s and i was i was reading this article about dnd being too christian i went what the fuck no that is not my experience i was labeled a heathen devil worshiper by my church for this shit uh whenever i first heard about dnd and i got really into it i i got excited and i told my uh my my friends at a sunday school or youth group whatever you want to call it and uh i i this i'm about to go on a huge tangent i'm so sorry but (laughs) the uh the 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 youth leader got really mad at us and said it was the devil's game because you could make gods that were not all about about Christ and it was just this evil game and you know we were shunned for the shit. Uh, so and then I found out later that this dude played fucking D and D the same same fucking edition that I did whenever he was stationed in Germany during the Cold War. So go suck a fuck. But at the end of the day. Uh, Getting completely off topic. Uh, Gary Gygax, I'm sure he had lots of influences because Gary Gygax, he was a religious writer. Like, I mean, he got that was like I think his his uh his uh sort of his degree or whatever in that shit. And I think that's also just the West and a lot of ways for a lot of white people. Like, they don't mean to, but that shit just pervasively is in there because Christianity beat the shit out of everyone and survived for two thousand fucking years. So. The the question that you gave me originally was um, what what about uh, what can be done about the inclusive inclusivity of the community, uh, racism, homophobia. Um, I don't want to speak about that one too much longer. I I actually want to go into what DMs can fucking do. For starters, I I really 
I roll my eyes at this, and it's really funny because we're doing a campaign right now called the Emerald Spire. It is a Paizo campaign, and in it you go to Fort Inevitable, and it literally tells me to tell the fucking players that this place is a lawful evil place full of slavery. So I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk about slavery and shit like that. But lo and behold, I'm having to like turn it to be, you know, indentured servitude because it's, it's like, don't call it slavery, call it indentured servitude. Like, like it mentions indentured or all that shit. But like, it's it's this cookie cutter kind of stuff, and I don't think a lot of DMs are prepared or mentally, you know, mature enough for some of these topics. I think people, they want to, and they want to take a swing at it and they'll make very uncomfortable stuff. And I think it's, I think it's in racism. I think it gets into a lot of traumatic and triggering things. Uh, I have had lots of female friends who say that topics of rape gets brought up whenever they're in a campaign. Um, yeah, um, trying, there's just so much. And like, inclusivity is a huge part. And, but at the same time, people step on so many toes of so many different cultures and trying to keep in mind of that, just, we all fucking suck, do better. And if you see that as a DM, say something for the love of God. Don't just let a player flounder there. Like, we have a habit, um, the bystander effect that you know everyone just kind of waits for someone to speak up and if you're the dm and you're listening you're the person who needs to be speaking up in whatever fashion but you know, just try to be better I hope that answers that <laughs> yeah no i mean i feel like that was very well put and it was definitely nice to have the uh you know behind the screen if you will perspective on like what you know needs to be done like on a whole i mean obviously we're not asking you to solve everything but you know we can all i'll, I'll take a that. swing at palestine and israel next episode if you'll have it. <laughs> yeah no definitely, definitely. Awesome. We, somebody needs to figure that out cool <laughs> <laughs> let's get to um, play dungeons and dragons so, and yeah that should work like you know a few palestinians a few uh wonderful israelis in a room i mean put some Assad in there some i mean some people who participate in the impetata it should be great right no yeah, big deal dice yeah, you're sad. Yeah. Yeah, just give them some kosher beers. Everyone should be happy. Um, but with with all these old hangups, I, I wonder: um, is the game sometimes restrictive as the DM, like dealing with this like world that's been like continually built upon these bizarre bones from the 1970s and forward? And does it become kind of a just a huge issue outside of the troubleshooting? Uh, what you've already discussed. Yeah, and there, there's, like, as I mentioned, it's been 40 years, and there are, the one thing that people are known for is, you know, they hate tradition, and they really don't care about that at all. But no, um, there is so much variance. Um, whenever whenever they've added something, it's kind of stuck in different strange ways. Like, Rogue wasn't a character. Like, when it was first introduced, it was an archetype and a supplemental material. It's called a thief. And uh, when D&D was created, you didn't have clerics, you didn't have thieves, and the, the idea of the thief and the rogue as we know it, everyone should be sneaking. Uh, this game, speaking of racism, uh, Kerry Gygax loved Conan the Barbarian, and that game is just fuck, or game, that book is just walking racism, uh, 100%. But uh, Conan as a character, which unfortunately, you know, a lot of 
basis for fantasy gets in that area. Uh, Conan was a strong was a strong character, but he snuck and he stole and such. And, but they decided to make that an entire class, and as a result, people don't think to try to really steal unless they're the rogue, and people try to fit only into like you know their character slots i think a little bit too much and the the other frustrating thing is people will uh will definitely try to min max and they stop thinking about the game as you know what can i do and more about my point profits but some people are really just in it for the min maxing and i respect that but um yeah like it, it, it can be restrictive dealing with people who are purists and i honestly i, I always love it when it's somebody who's never played dnd before that i can just you know throw an idea at you and you're not going to be like, well, that should be called a bugbear to which I say, what the fuck is a bugbear? Because the first thing that person thinks when they hear the word fucking bugbear is they think, oh, a bear with a gigantic, you know, fly head that looks like a terrifying creature from my nightmares. But no, a, be- a bugbear is basically an urukai. And that, no, who the fuck calls that a bugbear? I just call that a big fucking orc. And yeah, there's, there's little things like that all throughout. Um, and there's there's good and there's bad and people kept thinking well is this good for you know a system versus is this good for the story uh and i think that's a, a line you have to walk because it is a game at the end of the day it is based off of you know tabletop war war-based gaming with tiles and such but also you know it is about having fun so finding that nice little balance can be a lot really tough as a dm yeah and um that actually you know kind of ties in nicely to my next question so you know what can like we as players uh, do to like make the job of the DM easier? And uh, what are like your biggest complaints about being a DM? Well, first thing you can do that would make me so super happy. Uh, this is not as you specifically, Elongated Muskrat. I love you. You're a wonderful chaos rat. Uh, is you, have an you. idea of what you want to do. Like, you know, don't be sitting there on your phone, and I'll go back on that a second, but, like, have a plan. You know, when it's your turn, don't be opening up the book and going through it. Uh, the most discouraging thing in the world is whenever you've been working on something, and you call on it to be their turn, and they look up from their phone, and they're like, huh? And uh, they don't know what's going on. Uh, you'll give a big spiel about entering a room, and you'll be descriptive, and they won't hear a single thing, and they'll ask, can you repeat that? I understand you miss a few things, but uh, being attentive really helps, because... Uh, it's as much as it's about everyone having fun. There is a bit of element for the fun for the DM too. Um, if you're going to be murder hobos, agree beforehand. Especially if your DM has put in so much work that uh, you know it, it it can derail the a lot for somebody who's put in a lot of work. But other than that, I mean, every game is different, and a lot of what I just said also comes down to the DM. I think that you know you have to set aside. Not only a session zero, I always recommend making like a Google form and you know taking a feel for what the group wants. Do they want combat? Do they want dialogue? Do they want nitty gritty? Or do they want something that's just like fun, whimsy? Uh, and also, how important do you want to feel? Do you want this to be Dark Souls or do you want to feel like the Chosen Ones? That kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, um, my my biggest complaints really are is is communication but i think that's humanity in general too just if people would communicate more awesome uh but at the end of the day not focusing on that the biggest plus i think for being a dm is just even if one person says to me i had a fucking blast then i know i'm doing okay uh because i can't please everyone but if, if at least people tell me what's going wrong or 
tell me what they like. That's all I need. And I just want to interject here, and this is like unprompted. I just want to say like this campaign has been super fucking fun. Like as someone who has not played D and D before, like I, I have told you many a times, like I have zero expectations. Like holy shit, it is super fucking fun, and especially this this week. This is gonna go go up in two weeks, so uh, this will be all outdated, but. This week especially was super fucking fun. I just want to go on the record and let that be known. You completely flatter me. I'll uh, pay you for that bribe later, so thanks for the uh, the uh, praise on air. Word, that was not my goal, but, uh, you know, I will take what I can get being a chaos rat. Don't worry, I'll slip you some uh, Dogecoin after all this is done. Hell yeah, stonks. Riding that shit past the moon! And looks like, actually, from the producer's chair, uh, Mr. Toasty himself wants to uh, chime in real quick. Yeah, I, I've actually had a question about this for a while, because, well, let me just say, I, I, I'm a part of this campaign, too, and I, I love it. <laughs> it's the best campaign I've been a part of since I started playing. But anyway, uh, my question was, what do you do when you have a lot of players because I, I imagine at some point every dm deals with more than four people in a campaign <laughs> first off you cry that's the first thing that you do um there are a couple of options and um i i went with something that i saw in an episode of community and i went holy fuck that's an amazing idea what have i made an entire campaign based around that singular idea uh, in season 5 of advanced excuse me advanced advanced dungeons and dragons uh, they split the party and uh, it suddenly becomes a, a race to get to an area and defeat a, the a boss basically uh, and actual real world consequences were on the line of the story but i thought god that's so badass and uh, when we started, I hadn't thought of splitting the party. Uh, I just made the call because before I had set up a, a Vampire the Masquerade campaign, and VTM was actually my very first role-playing game. I didn't even realize that like role-playing was connected to D&D, and I was like 13 when I got into that. Um, but uh, we that, that game, unfortunately, fell apart because, and here's a lesson for anyone who's thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons, it's not always roses. Um, Games always fall apart in a heartbeat. We tried to get at least three or four campaigns off the ground last year, and every single one of them fell apart except for this one, and this one is held magically. Um, but to go back on track, whenever I, I realized that we were just having more and more people, well, just because you're all not able to meet up on the same day doesn't mean that the game can't go on. Uh, one of the greatest versions of the game that they ever made is actually designed for multiple groups whenever you have people like that can't all join in. Uh, let me find that real quick. So this question, I mean, it's not the first time that this sort of thing has happened. Um, it's, it's an old school problem. Uh, they used to call it the West Marches. And basically, uh, it's a style of campaign that you can play. Uh, and it will be the next campaign session style that I'll run after this one finishes up uh, you can set it up so that you have like a base and then people go out and explore and whoever meets up that's the group that's running that day and so there there are different ways of getting around that um i i will say that like with you can run a game with as 
few as one person. Uh, a one person game will go really fast because you're not you're not dealing with the 30% of that sweet amount of just discourse among the group and also arguing. Um, but, you know, I, I can, I can at this point in my life juggle effectively nine people, I think in a, in a session before things start going off the rails. When the campaign started, I had the entire group plus two NPCs that I was using. And I regret that immensely. In fact, I immediately killed one of them off just because I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, but just keep smiling and keep nodding. Uh, if you have a lot of people, just do not look down. Keep the keep the plates spinning on your fingers and don't think about it. And keep that improv going. And when you get the chance, alleviate the tension wherever the fuck you can. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely answers my question. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to. See, and as a non-D&D player, I didn't even know that was a thing, like the concept of splitting the party in two. So that's like even a whole level of like fascination learning that I'm getting here. So thank you, because... Hell. <laughs> oh, oh, hell yeah. Okay, so that's actually a really fun, so there's there's lots of little, like, memes, like, sayings I'm just throwing out there just naturally that are just, you know, part of the lingo. Uh, it's a it's a funny joke that everyone always accidentally splits the party in a D&D session, and it's the worst thing you can ever do, because, you know, together we are strong. Apes together strong, uh, 100%. So uh, the worst thing you can do is split the party, and so I have had so many funny times of the group splitting the party to detrimental events like i've i actually have made memes about this shit just because the, the things that have happened in this session to the group that we're talking about right now a squad uh that has gone on because the group is just so fucking hilarious so uh always use that dms if you ever get the chance to split the party yeah and i mean it just like it, it brings a whole new element because like i mean not to like go into like deep into our game but like there was some betrayal going on and uh, people are going to be probably pretty fucking mad whenever uh, we all meet back up together. <laughs> a little bit. Um, and that's that was actually a, a long-standing thing. Um, one thing that you can do uh, that is a little fun tip, and what I did is I, I messaged five of the players, five out of ten. I was like, would you all betray somebody for me? And that was the crux of our story. And... Uh, basically a sacrifice needed to be made at this exact moment for this for this MacGuffin. And uh when it happened, uh that this all happened and my, my girlfriend actually was the one who got betrayed. Like she was like just the impetus like to get the plot moving to this event to happen. Uh she she messaged me, she's like, I had no idea that was going to happen. I was like, I, I did not expect that. And she said, I didn't know what to do because I didn't know who to trust in that moment. And like that was like the moment I was like, yes, victory. I've made someone doubt their friends. <laughs> And she literally was like, can I trust this person? Like, okay, I actually have to split the group now just so like people know who they can trust. And I still have gotten a message from somebody on the side, like, are there any traitors in the group? Like to this day. And knowing that people are still wondering about that means that I have succeeded in my role as a DM. <laughs> yeah. And like originally, uh, this is maybe a little bit inside baseball, uh, but originally you had, you know, me and them uh, in the same group. And it's just like, oh man, this is... Uh, this is kind of awkward. Like, uh, I was I was part of the, uh, hey, let's betray this person. And, uh, right. yeah. 
it was it was kind of it was very lucky because we had someone joining into the campaign and it was it was very serendipitous and i recommend those and also if you ever have these moments hold on to them they're they so fleeting but the way the schedules lined up it was actually beneficial to change the makeup of who was going to be with who because my idea was oh would it be interesting if there was like interpersonal conflict and the groups had to work together but you know just making it like basically team evil versus team good was the best thing that could happen and honestly it's really team law versus team chaos um but one group is the is literally named the betrayed and the other group is a meme name because it's the meme channel like that's just that's just the makeup like one group is like wanting revenge and the other are having the slice of life anime bullshitting through a city and uh completely changing my plans in a single session uh that i couldn't even expect like i to give an example, like one group is like steadily working through an advanced Dungeons and Dragons module uh, called the Master of the Desert Nomads. And the other group is waiting at the starting hub for a level one area that I was expecting them to have already left. And I, I didn't even have the map up when we began. I thought, okay, now they're going to the dungeon. And they went, no, let's stay in the town and we'll make Croquemonsieur and we're going to go to the stables and we're going to look for the Thieves Guild and find out if there's any thieves. And one of them's like, you know what? I'm going to spend 150 gold on explosives in this town full of evil people, full of fascists. God damn right. And God yeah, damn like, right. That's just the shit that happens in a single session of D&D. Like, always on your fucking toes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we are really just living up to the name of Team Chaos. Like, are fascists why you blew up the church? Uh, it was uh, there was there was there was a time loop, um, and uh, <laughs> oh, this is more walking than I thought. This oh was, yeah, I've I've got some weird shit in there. Yeah, no, I it was it was fun. Campaign. Like, uh, motherfuckers were frozen, and there was a demon. And I just like was like, "Hey, DM, can I just make a bomb real quick?" And she was like, "Yeah, by all means." And I threw that shit, and it broke the window, and that was like the stained glass window of the church that was controlling it, and it just like killed everything pretty much. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that was what happened. Um, but you broke yeah, the window the first like, time, yeah. And then you were like, I'm going to do this the next time when we get through it on the next time loop. On the next time loop, you went, I'm going to go ahead and just line explosives all around the side of this building and use every single bit of explosives I have on my inventory because my DM hasn't been paying attention to the uh, weight limit exceeded for explosives. And uh, yeah, you you spent outside of combat setting all of this up and getting like three 19 pluses in a row uh, to succeed in destroying my entire dungeon and killing an undead boss before you all even had a single round of combat. Yes, you did. You did do that. That's correct. Yeah, but I mean, we also have to like, you know, just talk about the sheer greatness that is uh, me and uh, my boy Hanu just chilling in the stands, making money off a goddamn gladiator fight, and just you know being ballers because that was probably one of like the highlights of the game for me other than blowing up a church because you know that's like the best one and that's i think that's the beauty of DD because like you know to you that's the greatest thing ever and everyone else like you, you you sat in a seat and but like to me i remember that like that was a really awesome badass moment and like it's always about these all these little small moments you make with friends that 
it doesn't sound like you know anything, but if you string them all together, you have a really amazing story and a lot of amazing moments. And each one is like really personal. That's what I love about it. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I got one more question for you. Here is uh, where do you see the uh, community as a whole going forwards? Is it uh, something for the better, or maybe something for the worse? Hopefully not that. I think we're past the point where it can, as a whole, be for the worst. Um, D and D isn't just D and D anymore. Um, it's split a million times. It's there are role playing games of every single kind and creed. Um, Pathfinder Second Edition is what my group runs. We're, we're not even doing Fifth Edition. I'm in a Fifth Edition campaign right now because there are there are, are other options if you are wanting to do it. That if what I'm about to say were to happen, then then as a whole, no, I don't think D and D screwed. I think that the future is optimistic, um, I, and that's that's me saying D and D to describe tabletop role playing as a whole. Like it's kind of like saying band aid for a piece of bandage strip. Uh, it, it kind of becomes you know interchangeable. But talking about Wizards of the Coast, I don't. I, I, I'm I'm torn. I, I I like. I'm okay with fifth edition. I think that the rules are kind of wonky, and I think in a lot of ways. Pathfinder Second Edition with its three action economy is a lot better. Uh, come at me, but on on the same breath, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition having the money of Wizards of the Coast, they are able to produce an amazing app uh, called D and D Beyond, and you know you can make your dice rolls, you have your character sheet, which you can update that the DM can see. You can share the books that you have as a DM to the players. And I think from a technological perspective, that's amazing. Like, you know, it used to be that I was copying down my character sheet and composition notebooks in high school. And now I've got the same on my phone and you don't have to worry about having dice anymore. And I, I think it kind of sounds silly, but for a lot of people, it's really nerve wracking walking in and having, seeing all this dice in front of you. Uh, to know that you don't have to have it, it's cool. But at the same time, whenever you get into D&D, buy some fucking dice, uh, go crazy with it, whatever colors you want. Uh, there's so many cool ones you can get. Like, I have a few cool ones from years ago when I used to play that. Like, they're just badass looking. And mind you, I don't know where they are, but they they exist. They're fun. I love them. But, yeah. And I I think I'm good. I've exhausted my question pool. Um, because, once again, I was going in really blind and just hoping to learn, which I have. This has been great. I've learned a shit ton. Like, holy hell. Oh, I've, I've had a lot of fun thank you all for coming on um just a, a quick shout out for like anyone who's still interested in stuff once again matthew coville is a wonderful uh resource fountain um also critical role if, if you like the the kind of the more expressive version voice actors who actually play this um level three or xp to level three is just a lot of fun also and of course a crap guide to dnd i cannot recommend enough if you want a good laugh or a quick yes quick throw. And also, you can find me on uh, on Twitch at uh, TV Head T V E E H E A D. That's good, and uh, you can find me uh, at not Bravo Delta uh, at twitter.com. Uh, you can find the show at tw- on Twitter at at yo what the hell TD. And I'm at whiskey is a devil at Twitter. And uh, you can email us at uh, yo what the hell pod at gmail.com. But uh, I have been, fuck, what was my name? Uh, Chad, that was my name this week. There you go, pal. <laughs> I have been um, Elon, apparently chaos god of not only the stock market, but of um, this current D&D campaign. Yeah, and uh, may uh, all your 
rolls. Be natural 20s. All right. Bye, folks. Ciao, folks. Thank you.